how funny it is to say this, you know, you need to become good at forgiving. You also need to become good at obtaining forgiveness from God so that you can pass that on to others. And so we're talking about forgiveness. You know, it's a release. You're releasing them of the offense that they committed toward you. You are setting them free, right? And so in, in so doing, you set yourself free. And you are the one that becomes free. And even if they don't come to you and apologize and ask for forgiveness, which many times they don't. Many times the offender doesn't even realize how much the offense did or they're too proud and too self-consumed to care that you can't wait on them to come to you and ask forgiveness. Because the Bible does say, we looked at the verses last week about they come seven times in a day uh, and ask your forgiveness, you're supposed to forgive them. Why? You're You're becoming good at forgiveness. But what if they don't come seven times a day? What if they hurt you seven times in a day and never one time even admit their fault? Well, a lot of times they won't do that. You still have forgiveness in your heart waiting for them. It's there. You're already released in your heart. You know, it's one of those things that somebody say, oh, I'm so sorry I did this. Well, I already forgave you a long time ago. Oh, there they come. But, oh, let me throw this out as a public service announcement. I would, um, I wonder if, if there's an app on that you can get on your phone that they'll tell you when the trains are coming through Hondo so you can miss them. A lot of time's wasted sitting in a railroad crossing. All right. Somebody check that out. So we're in, then we found that, that you have forgiveness is the, release, is the uh, releasing of the offense. Remission is when you're set free. So like when I paid my last payment on my house, I was f- set free. It was fully remitted. I owe the mortgage company not one penny for that. I did owe them. You don't. Payment was remitted. Be hard for me to do that. Uh, and do this at the same time. But we'll, we'll figure it out here for church coming up. How's it feeling here, though? Y'all warm? We're good? So let's look here in Genesis 21. Remember, Jesus said, I gave my blood for remission of sins. That's what He said at the Lord's Supper. Sins cannot be remitted. There can be no full payment. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, Hebrews 9.22. And then Jesus said in Luke 24, now that He has made payment with His blood and that the, its forgiveness is there, that we're to go and preach repentance and remission of sins in His name among all nations. That's what we're telling people. Hey, you know you can have your sins remitted. You know you can be free of the offense and then even your conscience go free. Interesting, Peter even knew this in Acts 2.38. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins, which is the sending away of the sin. It's a, it's a, a clearing away. So sin is attached to the offender. Remission cuts it off and sends it away. And the blood of Christ is the means that does that. So in Genesis 21, verse 14... We see this interesting uh, statement here when 
Abraham had to send Ishmael away with, with his mother Hagar, sent them away, Ishmael was a very offensive person to the family. He caused nothing but trouble. In fact, he still causes the Jews trouble today. He's the Muslim's progenitor and uh, the ancestor of the Muslim nations. And so when he said, well, this is what it says that Abraham will do in verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar. Didn't give her much. And put it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. I think about Stephanie. She's walking up with Samuel in her arms. Won't be long. He'll be carrying you, by the way. But you got him, but then you get a bottle of water and a loaf of bread attached to you, and you're sent off into the wilderness. Uh, that's what happened. He sent them away. Now, what's he doing? They were of the flesh. They were of the dust of this earth. They were all sin and doubt of his life. And so remission of the sins, he sent it away. So look over at 2 Samuel chapter 13. This is David's horrible sin. Uh, chapter 12, I'm sorry. Uh, the result of his sin with Bathsheba and he committed adultery and then he actually had her husband murdered. And at the hand, 2 Samuel chapter 12, you know, he had, her, had his uh, Uriah the Hittite murdered. Uh, he was in a, what do you call that? When you pay someone off, you hired a hitman to do the job. Well, he was murdered. He committed the murder. He committed horrible sins unto death. He committed many. And uh, But when God came to him and, and he learned that he was a sinner and it was, it was put in his face, thou art the man that did these sins, David, if you look here in 2 Samuel 12, it says in verse uh, 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. No excuses, no buts. No reasons why. No, I was provoked. No, nothing. I have sinned. You know, full responsibility. I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said unto the David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. That's remission. The sin got put away. It's a putting away of something that is attached to you like a black, dark cloud that you cannot rid yourself of except through remission of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. So remission is to have freedom from the penalty and the presence of sin. It's sent away from you. You cannot release its ugly head against you anymore. And it took the shedding of blood to do it. Now, if you look over, let's turn over to Matthew 27. We're going back. Matthew in chapter 27. No one had a, a heavier sin looming over their head than Judas Iscariot. Nobody. He betrayed the innocent blood. He betrayed the holy and innocent one uh, for money. Right? And so he has this attached to him. The stigma of traitor. The stigma of betrayer. The stigma of turning in the Son of God. And he knows. See, G uh, Judas knew at one point, I've become an accomplice to murder through this because he knew they're going to crucify him. That was the intention. So in verse 
4, well, let's look at verse 3. In, in Matthew 27, verse 3, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, saw when Jesus was condemned, all right? He knew Jesus was going to be condemned to die, but he also knew he was condemned for what he did. It says he repented himself. Boy, that sounds pretty good. He repented. He felt horrible for what he did. Oh, he felt sorry. Oh, he wished he hadn't have done it. Oh, if he could go back in time and say, well, if, if, if only I would not have done this horrible crime. So he repented himself. It says he brought the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. He's bringing the money back, saying, I want this blood money. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And in verse 4, he says, I have sinned. Sounds pretty good. And that I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See down to that. They said, that's your problem. You did it. Now, the sad thing is they were just as guilty as he was, even more so. But they're not going to admit it. But he did say, I've sinned. And so he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Horrible ending. You know what's the sad thing about this? Judas Iscariot got no remission. Jesus said it would be better for him if he'd never been born. He never got the sin taken away from him. He knew he'd sinned. He knew he committed the innocent blood sin, the only innocent blood. He knew these things. He felt the guilt. He felt horrible remorse, yet he repented in himself. You know, he felt guilty, mad at himself. How many times have we done that? Horribly upset. Why did I do this? That's his repentance. His repentance did not turn him from the sin into Christ. He didn't come running to the feet of Christ while Jesus is bound and saying, please forgive me for what I did. He didn't ask God forgiveness. He went out and hanged himself instead. So that sin, that stigma of Judas Iscariot is still attached to him today. He's been in hell for 2,000 years. Almost. It's still on him. That will be attached to him for all eternity. He got no remission. He couldn't be forgiven. He couldn't be free. He's still chained even today. So, uh, for us who know, though, full remission. Full remission of sins. You know, so forgiveness is release of the, you release the person of the offense. I forgive you. I'm going to let this go. Remission is sending the sin away like it never happened. It's gone. Let's, say, let's just move on. Never happened. It's been remitted by the blood. So 1 John 1, 7 tells us that if, uh, if any man sin, what? The blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. That famous verse. Full cleansing. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all know this verse well. All of us have sinned, but, you know, nobody ever quotes the rest of it, of the sentence. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, we did the sin, but the forgiveness came by the blood of Christ. Remission. I'm free. 
So then forgiveness is all found, and we talked about this last week. I don't want to be overly redundant. You pass that on to the next person. You forgive those that, for, that have offended you because God forgave you of the sins that you did to Him. And if you were to honestly, anybody in their right mind, if they would be honest, sit back and try to tally up all the things they did wrong against God. Versus how many times people have done them wrong and violated them. It'd be like a encyclopedia volume on your side of sin against God and you'd have a little paperback book over here on this side of what people did to you. Yet we hold on to that and won't forgive it and we expect God to give, forgive all that debt being justified freely by the grace which is in Christ. And so what we find is this is, and this is interesting. We're paying it forward. So soul winning in itself is a way of doing this. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Interesting. You know, soul winning is a way of passing on the remitted sin to someone else. And how do you do that? You're going to tell them how you got forgiven. And you're going to be a debtor and teach them how to have forgiveness themselves. That's why Paul said in Romans 1.14, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. He said, I'm in debt to the whole world. It's so interesting. He didn't say, I'm in debt to God who forgave me of all my sins and made payment. I'm not, forget I'm not in debt to God. My debt is to others to pass it on. Go back to the original verse last week. If you from your hearts don't forgive your brother, God won't forgive you. So it's a thing of passing it on. I'm a debtor to those who need to hear. That's why it's so important. So how do you get out of debt with God? Well, you get out of debt by forgiveness of sin, of course, but then passing it on to others and learning the law of forgiveness. All right, so one more verse here. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And y'all should have this one memorized because we did this in Sunday school and nobody forgets what we learned in Sunday school. <laughs> Ephesians 4.32. Anybody want to try to quote that without looking? You can take a quick look and then, then look, Delby. Is that it? Yes. So we forgot and, but you did really well. So the thing is, see, Rebecca knows this so well because I have to do that for her all the time. I have to forgive her constantly. Yes. No. We know that's the, we know that's the, the opposite is probably true on that. So here you have it. God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. Why can't you forgive others if Christ did this for you? Why can't you do it? Living by the law of forgiveness, right? So forgiveness is to omit from the record. You just send, you're releasing. And then remittance is canceling the debt, canceling the debt. Balance owed, zero, zilch. You owe nothing. You know, you can't make good on a debt to God. Cannot do it. There's not a thing we could ever do. He made the debt clear himself through the blood, right? You didn't know, no work, no force was needed because no force or work could be done. 
It's full release. I admit I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven and I ask Christ to do it and he does it. So forgiveness, this is what I want to say here to, to uh, conclude this this morning. And uh, next week we'll talk on other things. I'm trying to get us become an expert at forgiveness. Good at it. Good at it. So forgiveness is more than paying forward your debts by forgiving others. I've been saying that all along. That's one of the best ways of doing it. It's more than a release. You know what it really is? You are showing and revealing that you have partaken of the very nature of God. You're being like God. What does he get out of it? You know, on our end, if you look at it logically, hey, so if I forgive you for what you did to me, God will forgive me. I'll get in God's favor. Hey, that's a good deal. Well, I'll take that deal anytime. But that's not the that's that's a piddly way of looking at it. Because God, He has He gains nothing by doing that for you, other than reconciliation, of course. God, so when you find yourself becoming like God, it becomes very easy to forgive, and you're not expecting anything out of it. You're doing what God does. And it's easy. Because God did it for Christ's sake, forgave you, you can do the same. So you're revealing that you have partaken of the very divine nature. You forgive as he forgives, and you don't suffer for forgiveness. You know, it's funny how we are sometimes. Boy, I'm going to forgive you, but this is really going to hurt me. Yeah. Not if you're like God, it won't. So let's finish by considering some truths here. First of all, the gift of forgiveness. I know, I'm I'm hoping what will happen is what we have in every week. Here in about five minutes, people are just going to come piling in here. We hope we don't have a letdown. Okay, number one, it's the gift of forgiveness. It's a gift. God gave it to you and you couldn't pay for it for anything. You couldn't pay for it with an eternity in purgatory, which there is not a purgatory. There's no such thing. I'm just using that as a likening. You couldn't go to a place and be purged of your sins because they're attached to you. They're a part of you. Now, in song, Christ paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, for Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. That's a forgiveness. That is a, it's a gift of forgiveness. How amazing it is. I don't think I sang that song exactly right. Well, that's one of those you can learn. It's a pretty good song, all right? So Christ paid the debt. Freely you've received freely give. So we find that forgiveness is a gift. And you're receiving the gift, the forgiveness and you're giving it freely, not expecting repayment, not expecting really anything out of it. The one thing you might get is reconciliation of the relationship, which is what God got from us. You know, we don't do what, they, what Jesus mentioned in the parables. You grab the guy by the throat and say, you owe me five bucks, pay now, bud. They used to kill people for $5. 
I think the value of the soul has gone up because of inflation. They may kill you for 20 now. It's sad. It's really sad. So you have the gift of forgiveness. And then number two, the power of forgiveness. How powerful it is to be able to forgive people. You say, that's weakness. You're, gonna, you're not going to hold that against me anymore? No, that's a power, not a, not, a, not a weakness. Oh, I can run all over them. They'll forgive me. I can take full advantage of them. They're weak. No, I don't think so. Because they understand the bitterness in there and the grudge and the holding out hurts me, not you. You know, that grudge that's in me doesn't hurt you. It hurts me. You know, I think, honestly, I believe hell is partially started by Satan got bitter at God for some reason. He got bitter at the Lord, and bitterness flared up a fire of hate inside of him. And God took that fire of hate out of Satan's own bosom and made hell with it. And I do have a biblical reasoning for that found in Ezekiel chapter 28. He's going to burn him with his own fires of bitterness. Now, that happens. But if you had this uh, forgiveness, oh my. For one thing, think about this. What a powerful ability it is to forgive people, to be able to do it, that you're not chained and locked down by grudge. To overcome Satan and to overcome failure for others and with others and in your own life, how powerful that is. I will not live under the chains of sin. In my life, and I'm not going to hold you to it and bound, bind you down either. You know, uh, utilizing the blood of Christ. If you do make sinful mistakes, which we do, you go to get blood, you go get forgiveness through the blood. And you're, it's remitted and fully cleansed. So to loose the chains for both of you, how powerful that is. You know, we say, I, to have power over people, I'm forgiving you. That's, that's an unbelievable amount of power over others. And I'll say it again. Having a grudge is not power. You think it is. We get deceived into thinking it is. No. That's chains. Holding on to a wounded spirit, who's that really hurting? Now, the person, some people can't get through to you. We understand that. But who's it really hurting? So you have the gift of forgiveness. And then you have the power of forgiveness. And so here we are, we're going to finish it up by saying it's the art of forgiveness. Learning to live by this rule. And it's a law, according to Jesus. He said it was a law. What do I mean by this? Become good at it. Become good at it. There's, there, you know, we try to be good at certain things. This is one of those you ought to become an expert at. Obtaining forgiveness from God so you keep your life clean and clear. And then, ability to forgive others. And don't allow offenses from other people to hold you down and to offend you. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I think that's Psalm 119, 165. If you love God, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. They won't get to you. You love the Bible too much. 
You live by the laws of the Bible too much. You rise above. You live above. And you perfect it. Now, let, let, did I, we're still in Ephesians, right? Y'all still in your Bibles in Ephesians? All right, I thought you were. I shut mine. Let's look here at Ephesians 4. Say a couple more things to close out. Hopefully you can realize it can be very good at forgiving. And it makes you a very powerful person. Very powerful person. All right. Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be ye angry and send it up. Oh, that's not the right version. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. All right. Brother Roloff, one time he, he preached the whole sermon on this. Be so angry at sin that don't ever let the sun go down on your anger towards sin. You ought to hate sin so much, it ought to be an anger, it ought to make you so mad the sun never goes out. That's not what this verse is teaching. It makes good preaching, though. I mean, it sounds good, but that's not what this verse is teaching at all. Be ye angry and sin not. There's nothing wrong with getting angry. If you hold on to the anger, you sin. And when he says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, before the sun sets in the day, you ought to deal with the offenses of the day. That which upsets you, that which hurts you, that which made you mad, before the sun goes down, you ought to find a way to get the release. Now, most of the time, that would mean you have to forgive somebody. And sometimes they're so hurtful that it takes time. But God said, don't let Satan get an advance, advantage over you. That's why it says in verse 27, neither give place to the devil. You allow the devil in by holding a grudge. You allow the devil in by refusing to forgive those who are so harsh hurting you. You will, Satan gets an advantage over you. You know, you say, man. Why is life so tough? Well, Satan got the advantage over you because you didn't learn how to forgive properly. So a free gift of, man, it's a free gift. But, and then you have this power that comes with it, and then it's such an art to learn to forgive. All right, so when the sun goes down, let's think about this. Biblically speaking, when the sun goes down, you're starting a new day. Most people end the day bad. No, no, take that back. They think they're ending the day bad by sinning at night before they go to bed. What they're really doing is they're starting the day wrong by sinning it up before they go to bed. The, night, the day starts when the sun goes down. The evening and the morning were the first day, right? Not the morning and the evening. So if you will get your life in order before you go to bed, that's what Paul's saying. Satan won't get an advantage over you. And you'll probably wake up to more better days than you. You know, some days you just wake up to a bad day and you wonder why. Could have had something to do with the night before. Uh, Satan got an advantage of some kind. The art of forgiveness. So what I'll ask you is today. Become good at this. Become good. I'm not saying be a pushover. Become good at forgiving. Taking what God's done for you and bestowing it on others. It's a freedom beyond measure. And Jesus said in, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, 
What did he say? He said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he's basically saying is, I want the same peace they have up there. I want it down here. I want the same things going on that are going on in heaven to happen in my life down here on earth. You can have it. And it's all by how you deal with sin and how you deal with offenses. So uh, Ephesians 4.32, somebody quote it. You, okay, anybody else have it? Close. No. For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. <laughs> All right. How do you be kind to somebody? Forgiving them. Isn't that what he said? How do you have a tender heart towards one? It releases you. It releases you. You know that person you can't stand? There's, pro there's a problem there. There's, some, there's a failure in the release of the... You did not let it go. There's a bitterness there. There's no tender heart. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And I believe God can bless you as a result. I believe you'll wake up to more better days by doing this. Because you're starting your day right with a clean heart. Amen. That's why it's vital to deal with your sin, either before bed or while you're in bed. I mean, deal with it. Deal with it. Come in with your own heart on your bed and get forgiveness settled.